0: Scaling your law firm doesn't have to be difficult. It is all about mastering a few key strategies, systems, and mindset. Welcome to the Being Unstoppable podcast, dedicated to helping you scale your law firm without burnout. I am your host, Carly Fontanelli, and I have successfully scaled my firm so that it doesn't rely on me. Listen in as I share with you how you can do the same. Let's transform your business starting now. Welcome to another episode of the Being Unstoppable podcast. I'm your host, Paralee Fontanelli, and I am so glad that you are here. Now, I don't know where you're tuning in from or you know how come you're listening, but I thought that I would give you a little intro about the podcast and about myself just quickly on this one, because it has been a while since I've done that, and you may be new to the podcast. So my name, as I said before, is Carolee Fontanelli, and I am originally from New Zealand and moved to Australia when I was 25. well before I became a lawyer. I then went to law school when I was 30. So I was a little bit later to uni and graduated at 34 and was sort of rushed into owning my own practice, which is a story in itself. And if you've ever listened to me on anyone else's podcast, you'll know all about that story because I did definitely come to law and into the podcast in a different way. So I've now been working in the firm uh, that I own uh, for 14 years, but I didn't take it over until 10 years ago. So when I took over the law practice, it was a general practice and had one solicitor who was the principal. uh, And then I really saw, because I'd worked in the practice for four years, the things that you shouldn't do if you want to run a law firm. And that really taught me a lot of lessons. And when I took over the firm, it was in a little bit of disarray or actually a fair bit of disarray. So I cleaned it all up and turned it all around. I also, it was a general practice and I also had a passion for family law and knew that I really wanted to practice family law. So I uh, turned the, the practice into a family law practice. Um, and specialized in that area and basically just started turning away every other type of work. Now, that leads me into today's topic, which is the $250,000 mistake. Now, I have made a ton of mistakes and that is something that I really don't mind sharing um, on this podcast or in the Scalable Business Lounge because you know what? We're all human we're all learning. No one has taught us how to be a law firm owner. If you've been lucky enough to work in a really good law firm, uh, have been mentored on not only how to practice law, but also how to run a law firm, and you have had the benefit of, of that teaching and learning and experience, then you're going to be in a much better position. But the majority of us don't. The truth is, is that Most people have come into their own law practice and they've got a trail of bad experiences behind them and a trail of this is how I would not be doing things in my law firm. But, you know, when we're in our own law firm, we can understand why our previous, um, you know, bosses and employers have made similar mistakes or made, you know, some of the mistakes that they've made because it's not that easy and we're not necessarily taught how to do it. Now, the $250,000 mistake is an, an accumulation of time and error, and this happens to a lot of people, and it is all around billing and debt collection. Now, I'm going into huge detail today or tomorrow in the masterclass. So these are the types of things that we talk about in the masterclass, and I give everyone in the Scalable Business Lounge not only the lessons on it, but then I give them all the templates and processes so they can implement that into their law firm as well. So that's what we're doing this week. But for this podcast, I'm just going to touch on it because you can take the information from this podcast and try and work it out yourself and depending on where you're at in your law firm. So essentially what happens when we open a law practice or we take one over is that we have lots of different work coming in and we will take any work on that we possibly can because every dollar counts. Every dollar does count. It's really important that you have clients coming into your business. First of all, cash flow is important, that we have that coming into our business because it keeps us alive, it keeps food on the table. And if we've got staff of any description, then it keeps things ticking along. The problem is, though, when we're not attracting our ideal client and we're attracting willy-nilly clients and we're attracting willy-nilly matters, then you, one, are doing work that you don't want to do. And that's really sad. When you do work that you don't want to do, what does it feel like? It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't spark joy in your business. It creates uphill battles because it's not your sweet spot. And that's something that I definitely found, you know, in the early days, initially, while I was building the business, I was still taking on all sorts of different work. And I was taking on matters that are are not in my wheelhouse. So things like a lease would come along. It would be a three thousand dollar job, and I'd think, sweet, three grand. I need the cash flow. I'll do it." And so you take that kind of work on, and it's hard. It takes longer than it should because it's not something you're used to doing, and you've got to fumble your way through it. It's risky because you can potentially make mistakes on it because you don't exactly know all the ins and outs of what you're doing, etc., etc. Uh, so that's taking on work that's not your ideal client in terms of matters the other thing that we tend to do in the early days is when we're taking on any work that comes in the door is we take on risky clients and I am talking about in the form of them and their ability to pay The other thing we do around this when we don't have our system straight, when we're in our early days, when we're taking on anything we possibly can because every dollar counts is that we then eagerly take on the work without getting monies in trust. Now, you may or may not be running a trust account. Um, If you're not running a trust account, it's obviously more tricky. But we need systems in our business and in our law practice. To ensure that we always get paid because there is no point doing work that not only is not bringing you joy, <laughs> the client's not ideal, but then you're not getting paid or you the matter then turns into a debt collection matter. And not only are we not getting paid, but it also then sucks the life out of you. Because you're, you might have a small team, you might only have you and your team, it becomes a stress and a burden. And as the producer of the work, it's really offensive when people don't want to pay. So it leads to this left feeling of resentment and anger and annoyance. Now I'm talking a hundred percent from experience here because I have made all of these mistakes. And all of these mistakes over time added up to around $250,000. Now, how do you, how, Carolee, how does does it get to that? Well, I'll tell you how it gets to that. It gets to that by taking on clients over years, in the early years, the first four or five years, uh, without a process when it comes to incoming clients, without having you know, sending them, making sure that there's money and trust before you get started. Um, It is about keeping on working on matters uh, even when they haven't paid their last invoice. Um, It's taking on risky deferred matters from time to time where you lose money as well. And, of course, that's mistakes made over a number of years until finally you get sick of chasing the money because you've ad hocly been chasing the money and the client has disappeared into the sunset, skipped tracing, cannot find them anymore and it's exhausting and you're done. So at the end of the day, the decision is made to cut your losses and write off the invoice. And, you know, this is, I I have got a few etched in my memory of clients who have brought in work and because of a lack of process, because of a lack of knowing who my ideal client is, we have taken on the work. We have not followed steps that we should to protect ourselves and the business and the cash flow because we're so eager to to do the work. We're eager to help people. We're eager to get cash flow happening in the business. We're eager to build up that client list. And then you're left with these outstanding invoices. And over time, they add up to a serious amount of money. And not only that, but they add up to a serious amount of time. And that's time that you can't get back. That's time that you waste on, one, doing the matter, two, chasing the invoices, three, debt collecting, four, having conversations about it, about this client, about the debt collection that you're trying to pursue, about how they are now untraceable, and five, then you've got to make the decision to write it off and move on with your life and learn the lesson learn the hard lesson. But you know what? For some people like me, <laughs> the hard lesson doesn't come in just one client and one debt. The hard lesson comes over a number of years of taking on work that are not your ideal clients and not having a process of how you get monies in trust, how you make sure you're ahead all the time so that this does not happen to you again. And how then if it does happen because you do extend some ability for clients to not be paying up front all the time, how then to minimise it by having a stop work and a debt collection process. So when you get good at that, you then don't have to suffer the loss again and again again repeatedly on these small matters that all add up over time to wasted time and wasted money and cash flow. And then on the back end of it, further wasted time because now you have to debt collect. Someone in your office has to do that. It's energy out. It's negative energy that you're putting out there as well. It's not great energy that you're holding on to. And part of my learnings about this as well is that when it's your matter, so when you're a small firm and you're running a lot of the matters yourself, or all of the matters yourself, you put your heart and soul into your client's work and into their matters, and you want to get them a really good result. You know you've bent over backwards for them. You know that there's been times that you haven't fully invoiced everything that you've done on the file and that you've You've gone over and above. And so when they don't pay their invoice, it's really disheartening and it's emotionally draining because you have bent over backwards and done so much for them and the thanks that you get is the disrespect of them not paying their invoice. It's emotionally draining. And I know for me as a law firm owner, I've been there, but now that I'm not doing file work, I don't have that same feeling because it's not been me that's bending over backwards for the client. My team have been, and I feel for them when a client doesn't want to pay their bill and disrespects the work that they've done. But I'm able to debt collect in a way that's not emotionally driven because I'm not attached to it the same way as you are when you're the one that has done the work yourself. So you're able to implement in a much stricter and firmer way the debt collection process uh, and ensuring that you have monies and trust so that you don't actually get to that point anyway. So what we do in our firm is we have a full process on when to start work. So, for example, and I'm, I know this is 101, but a lot of people don't do it. We don't start work until we've got monies in trust because we then know that we've got a committed client and they know that they've got a committed lawyer. And that's what I tell our clients. When you retain us and you return the cost agreement and you put money in trust, you know that you've got a committed lawyer and we know that we have got a committed client. So it's really important that you do those steps. So that's sort of the beginning of the education for the client. And then as we go along in their matters, we're asking for monies in trust so that they don't get too far behind. Because sometimes, as you know, depending on what area of law you work in, we can end up, you know, with a fairly large bill that month, especially if it's in litigation. Uh, And so you don't want them getting into a space that it's difficult for them to pay their bill. So keeping open communication at all times about the invoice and about the work in progress, about how much money is required in trust to keep the matter moving forward, all of that kind of thing, and training your team to do that. Because some lawyers are really good at that and some lawyers aren't, depending on what their background is. So for example, if a lawyer has not been in private practice or they've been in a legal aid. Heavy practice, then it's going to be much harder for them to ask for funds and trust or even the payment of bills um, than someone who's been in private practice. And it also depends on the training someone has had. If someone's been in an ad hoc practice, like the practice I worked in before, where everything was ad hoc, then it's going to be more difficult for them. And so giving them a structure of when you ask, how you ask, giving them scripts around that that helps the process and the flow so much more easily. The next thing is then when do you stop work? Because if a client isn't paying, they want you to keep working, they keep ringing, they keep instructing you, but they refuse to pay their invoice, don't get in the trap of keeping on working for them. And again, it's an emotional trap because you just want to help them. You want to help them get to the next stage and that they'll pay, they've said they're going to pay. And, you know, our lawyers can get in these traps in my law firm. But because we have a strict process that is adhered to by our accounts manager and she enforces it, it then makes it really, really easy to ensure that that isn't happening and that a stop work is put in place. And then when they are no longer a client because that matter either finalized or they've indicated that they are not paying their bill anymore. Well, then how do you debt collect? What process have you got in place for that? So this is just one example of how you can get your law firm by systemizing it working like a well-oiled machine. And as your law firm scales, you need to create a well-oiled machine because if you don't, It will be loss after loss. It will be more than a $250,000 mistake over years to come into the future. And it's going to be emotionally draining where you feel like you're putting out fires all of the time. So every time we have a team meeting, which is once a week now, and the debt collection list is minute, I'm so happy. Because I know the days of when it wasn't. I know the days of when it was long and there was a lot of time spent and energy spent, wasted chasing old and bad debt. That then, of course, you know, these people cleverly disappear into the ethos, never to be seen ever again. So I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast because this is the sort of thing that we talk about in the Scalable Business Lounge, but we talk about it in depth. And not only that, but I actually help you to set up your systems so that you are not chasing debt forever and a day. And you're profitable because, hey, that's what you're in business for. You're not in business to give away all your legal talents for free. No, sirree, you are not. You are in business to create a life for yourself where you have more freedom and more profit and you can spend more time with the people that you love, right? So let's do that. And I hope that you have a fabulous week ahead and I'll be here again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Being Unstoppable podcast brought to you by the Scalable Business Lounge. If you would love to learn how to scale your law firm without burnout, then join my free workshop at CarolineFontanelli.com. Until next time, you have got this.